keep find a relaxed and comfortable posture keep your back straight as much as you can and gently close your eyes Take a few deep long breaths. Do it few times to relax your body, to relax your mind. Breathe in mindfully, breathe out mindfully. minds mindfully observe your body and your posture make sure to find your comfortable and relaxed posture while you are breathing in and out slowly bring your awareness to the moment experience the peacefulness stillness in this room around you breathe in peacefully breathe out peacefully
Let's begin our practice. It is time to practice self-love. Try to be a loving and kind person to yourself. Repeat each words kindly and gently. May I be content. May I be patient. May I be healthy. May I be content. May I be patient. May I be healthy. Contentment is the greatest wealth. You are never going to compare yourself with others. You are learning to be content what you have. You are learning to accept. You are learning to practice acceptance. That everything will will lead you to be a contentment person. Repeat to yourself, may I be content. The patient is a very important quality to have, which brings you many positive moments in your life. 
Repeat yourself, may I be patient. Self-love is not a selfishness. It is mean you are learning to take care of yourself mentally and physically. And same time you are learning to take care of others. Repeat to yourself, may I be healthy mentally and physically. If you find one interesting word that you really like, keep repeat it yourself with patience and diligence. May I be well, may I be happy, may I be peaceful. Now you can expand your loving thoughts towards all the living beings and also towards your loved ones. May my loved ones be filled with loving kindness. May they be well in mind and body. May they be able to take care of themselves happily.
May all the living beings be filled with loving kindness. May they be able to find peaceful and healthy environments. May they be able to take care of themselves happily. Now you can practice your loving kindness towards difficult ones if you have any in your life. May my difficult people be filled with loving kindness. May they be well in mind and body. May they be able to find noble friends, noble guidance. Now slowly take a few deep long breaths. And it is perfect time to change your posture, move your body around if you want. Make sure to relax your body. And same time bring your attention to your breath. Your breath is your noble friend. Your breath is your noble companion, which is always with you. That we usually do not focus on our breath. But in this moment, you are going to pay attention 
to your breath. Mindfully pay attention to the inner and outer breath. Keep your attention to the tip of your nose, you can feel your breath. Let's start our breathing mindfulness practice. Breathe in mindfully. Breathe out mindfully. When you are inhaling, you know that your body is inhaling. When you are exhaling, you know that your body is exhaling. Sometimes our mind is like like a sky. Sometimes it is clear, sometimes cloudy. The same way, sometimes our mind is having a positive thought, sometimes not. If you are having thoughts, just know I am having thoughts, come back to your breath.
Now slowly take a few deep long breaths. And please bring your hands together in front of your heart. Make a dedication to yourself to apply this practice at least two, three minutes every day. May peace be with you. May all the living beings be well, be happy, be peaceful. Okay, let's start our chanting, page number four. <clears throat> let's chant together. Namo tasa bhagavato arhato samma sambuddhasa Namo tasa Bhagavato Arhato Samma Sambuddhasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arhato Samma Sambuddhasa Buddhan Dhamman saranam gacchami Sanghang saranam gacchami Dutiyampe buddhan saranam gacchami Dutiyampe dhamman saranam gacchami Dutiyampe sangang saranang gacchami Tatiyampe buddhan saranang gacchami Tatiyampe dhamman saranang Tatiyampe sanghang saranang gacchami Anicca vat sankara upad vaya dhammeno upajitva nirujjanti te sang vupa samo sukho sabbe satta avera hantu sabbe satta abhya paja hantu sabbe satta Anega hantu sabbe satta sukiyatta nang pariharantu 
மனோபுபாங்கமா மனோமயமனசாச்சேபுவாக்கோன்ந்துன் மனோபுபாங்கமாதம்மனோசெட்டாமனோமயமனசாச்சேபசாச்சேவாக்கோச்சேவா தத்துவன்வேத்திஃபாரன்ஸ்டேட்ஸ் <coughs> Mind is the foreign of stats. Mind is chief. We believe. We believe in generosity towards others. We believe this skillful noble path is marked by generosity. We believe generosity has many levels. Think generously, speak generously, act generously. We believe generosity is the heart of our spiritual practice. And this practice allows us to become more open, accepting and forgiving. We believe extending generosity. my wish may i become at all times both now and forever a protector for those without protection a guide for those who have lost their way a ship for those with an ocean to cross a sanctuary for those in danger a lamp for those without light a place of refuge for those who lack shelter and a servant to all in needs by means of this meritorious deed man ever join me the unwise only the wise until the time attain nirvana okay good evening everyone how are you today it's very happy to see you all and thanks so much for being here and today we have a, a lay dhamma talk and by rebecca just so maybe most of you know who she is and please rebecca and uh, she is our uh, board vice president and also she has a new title and she is a executive director at the temple also and she is working so hard to keep this place alive and organizing different events and fundraisers for the temples and working hard all her family and um, 
so we really appreciate your support and so i i, I asked her to share with you her experience at the temple uh, while she was going through difficult time hard time happy times and um, so she's here to share with you uh, her experience at the temple about the practice and How's everyone doing? I think all my talks are about difficult things, unfortunately, whether that's good or bad. Um, so as Bonte said, my name is Rebecca, and um, I've had the pleasure of being the vice president of the board for about seven years now, I think. Um, and um, I just love the temple. I love that this place feels like home to me, and that I have so many teachers and so many experiences and now history recognize so many faces um, that are here today. So thank you for letting me talk today. So um, I had no idea what I wanted to talk about. Like no, I, no idea whatsoever. Um, and I have had so much going on in my life in the past many years, which I'll talk a little bit about. Um, but last week I was reading an article online and I read this paragraph that just really struck me as being connected to a topic that I've discussed um, a lot in the past few this excerpt. Um, in this excerpt from, I'm probably going to butcher his name, Shunryu Suzuki's seminal collection of teachings, Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, he begins by reminding us that transiency or change is at the heart of all the Buddha's teachings. All of our problems all the different manifestations of pain that we feel in our lives essentially rise from our inability to accept the truth that we and everything around us are in a state of constant flux. His question is, how can we begin to transform that experience? Is there a possibility of accepting difficulty as pleasure, as convoluted as that might seem? So I don't know if I'd go as far as saying <laughs> that difficulty is pleasure. That's a little bit of a stretch for me. I'm not quite there yet. But I can see how, in my own life experience, that there's an opportunity to find genuine silver linings, really authentic silver linings, and almost everything that happens to us. And um, for those of you who've heard me talk before, um, my talks invariably are around my family. So a little bit of my story for those of you who haven't met me before. So um, I have a, a daughter, Arwen, who just graduated from high school two weeks ago, so that's really exciting. And she's getting ready to go away to the University of Wisconsin at Eau Claire, and she is going to be an ecology and environmental biology major. So I'm super excited that she's doing something with the environment and she feels really passionate about it. And Arwen and I lost the third member of our family in September, my husband Mark, her dad. Um, Mark had um, primary progressive multiple sclerosis for eight years. And, I, and I've totally normalized crying in public and then <laughs> not crying in public again because it's been a really hard transition for us. So. 
for those of us who've known us, the, my family, we've come to the temple for about 10 years. So many people knew Mark for a few years before he got sick. And he um, had a lot of ups and downs with his illness. He had a very insidious form of multiple sclerosis that hit very fast and hard. He had two um, times in 2017 and in 2019 where he fell into a coma and was hospitalized. And the second time, we didn't think that he was going to survive it. And he ended up being on hospice for seven months and then just miraculously kept getting a little bit better all the time. Um, he wasn't able to work for the last five years of his life. And he was in a power wheelchair, gosh, for the past, for the last three and a half or four years. So he went from a healthy, normal 40 year old guy who jogged 30 miles a week and was a part time stay at home dad and really connected to everything in his life and was within three years unable to walk and excruciating pain every day and had everything in his life taken away from him. And so that journey for us, those eight years of journey, went from, I think, all the stages Mark's therapist said to him, you've experienced all the stages of grief because you've had to experience the death of yourself. So all of the, like, denying it, anger, eventually kind of giving into it and accepting it, and our practice, as anyone who knows me, hears me talk about a lot, has been really essential to us figuring out how to live our life. It helped Mark figure out how to live with a disease that he never asked for. And if you can just imagine for a moment, all of a sudden, you can't do the work you like to do. You can't do any of the things you like to do. You can't have any of the normal relationships you like to do. You have to redefine everything. That is, I think the epitome of changing everything in your life all at once <laughs> without ever being asked to. And more often than not, Mark found a way to smile and to live with as much gratitude as he could find and as much joy as he could find. And along the way, we tried to raise Arwen in a way that didn't have her feeling angry or lost or only focused on, on all the things that we, we, we didn't have anymore. Um, a lot harder to swallow for kids, <laughs> things like not being able to go on vacation anymore and just everything in your life changing in ways that you don't expect. Um, but what really helped us in that change speaks to me in here because, again, I won't say that we found the change to be pleasurable. What we did is looked at every aspect of change that we are faced with and then asked ourselves, how can we turn this into something that isn't horrible for us? Where can we find the things that where we can be grateful and where we can be appreciative? And they were everywhere when she started looking for them. So, you know, I, I, I've said this a hundred times. I, there has never been a time in my life that I have been more crystal clear about exactly what's important to me. Like, I know crystal clear what is important to me. I know who loves me. I know who has my back. I know what I want to spend my time doing because that time is really precious. And that clarity is something that I didn't even realize I was missing until, <laughs> until I gained it. Um, 
I feel grateful for all of the opportunities. One of the, when you're in um, a position where you're living with a real chronic illness and disability, you get a chance to talk to a lot of people, a lot of nurses and therapists and hospice care workers and palliative folks who, who talk about these like hidden blessings that are, that are in your lives. You know, the hidden blessings of having people who love you, help you out. Um, the hidden blessings of even strangers. Like I, I often will say, you know, before Mark got sick, we just went about our lives and you had friends and you had good times. And, you know, I could go for a week and I went grocery shopping. I went to the movies. I stopped and got gas. I did all these things and I didn't always pay all that much attention to all the people around me. But when you went places with Mark in his wheelchair, all of a sudden people treated you really differently and in a really beautiful way. Like there was a raw humanity in people being kind to Mark. And that was really a cause for reflection and conversation for years. That why, why don't we do that all the time? Why don't we stop and say hello to people or ask them how they're doing genuinely <laughs> and authentically? We just kind of rush about our days. And so those things that came along with disability and disease were gifts. Even, you know, losing Mark has, which has been lots of pain, all around, there's just no way to say that it was good. It just sucked. Um, having Arwen losing Mark and then having Arwen getting ready to go away to college all in the same year also kind of sucks. <laughs> but at the same time, I, I can't choose to sit and be angry. I can't choose to sit and only wallow in all of that because then I think I would lose myself. So I lean into my practice a lot. I lean into all of the things that I have to be grateful for. Um, Arwen and I were just talking the other night, and she was really angry about something. And I said, you know, you, you really have two choices. You can either say, I had the greatest dad until I was 18 years old. Like, some people never have a great dad. And it sucks that he's gone. But you can choose to focus on how lucky you had it. And his teachings are there with you forever. Or you can just be pissed off and angry that he's gone. Right? I mean, you really, it's that simple. You have two choices. And so I try to apply this kind of thinking for everything in my life, not just the big scary things like death and <laughs> disease, but for all of the things like um, times when we're really busy, times when we're frustrated because we have to wait in line, times when we feel irritated because something didn't go exactly the way that we wanted to do. Um, I, I remember. Jim Kale, if some of you know Jim Kale, Mark and I met him like 10 years ago. And one of the first things he said to me, which I always reflect upon is he was, you know, retired, you know, just going about his days. And he went to the library to pick up some books. And when he came out of the library, there was a school bus. The action was like, oh, the school bus is parked. Like, how long is this going to take? And then he went, wait a second. I just picked up two books that I've been dying to read. I have nothing else to do. I'm just going to sit in my car and read my book until the school bus driver comes back, which was about like 20 minutes. And I've often reflected on like what a beautiful reframing that is. And that's what I think that this is, this paragraph is trying to say is when things happen to us, we can choose to reframe them in a way that is at the very least okay and maybe even good or positive, or we can choose to, to add on all those other kind of layers for us and all that kind of negativity. 
Um, another thing that I've reflected on a lot, which I think is kind of connected to this, is the idea, um, and I don't know if this is a human thing or, um, or, or more an American thing, but the idea that we're kind of uh, trained to believe that when things pile on, it's bad, right? Like how often do you have a bad day in the morning and then something else happens, and then something else happens, and our brain immediately goes, oh, now it's the second thing or the third thing or the fourth thing. Like you keep, you start keeping track of all the bad things that have happened to you. And somehow that feels worse. We let things kind of pile on. And so I've reflected on that a lot because I could be doing that. You know, Mark died, Arwen's leaving. I've had so many people who love me say like, my gosh, you're going to live alone. Like, what is that going to be like living alone? And I don't know, like, maybe it's going to suck some days, but maybe it's also going to be awesome because I never get to be home alone. Or I have that art project I've been wanting to work on forever. Or maybe I get to cook whatever I want for dinner this week and not what other people want. So again, there's, there's good and bad, but I can work on kind of reframing it. And so I, I've had this conversation a few times in the past week or two with people about this idea of piling stuff on. And I'm trying to look at it not as if things are piling on this year, but as if like the door is open to transition. So my brain is already in a transition state. I had to say goodbye to Mark. I had to let him go because it was his time. And along with that comes all these other changes in my life. One of the things I, I kind of have jokingly said to people, like, I feel like I've done a horrible job of grocery shopping in the past seven months since he's been gone because I'm having a hard time buying, knowing how much food to buy. Like, I used to just, like, grab a bunch of bananas, but now, like, half of them will go rotten. So I've had to, like, rethink, like, how many bananas am I really going to eat this week? Am I going to eat two? Am I going to eat three? And then you do that with a 100 other things, and, and it's a lot of change all at once. But my mind is in this, okay, I'm just, I know the door's open. So I'm going to accept change. I'm going to try and build healthy new habits and figure out a new routine that's good for me and good for Arwen and good for our dogs and gives me time to do work that I love and gives me time to spend time with friends and family. Um, but then Arwen's getting ready to leave too. And gosh, maybe that's kind of a blessing that I'm already in this transition <laughs> phase. My mind's already open to change and transition. So what's one or two more things? So I'm trying to view them like they're happening, um, kind of conjoined, like they're holding hands instead of feeling like it's one more thing, one more thing, one more thing. At first I suck at it. I, <laughs> I was, you know, it felt kind of overwhelming, but the more that I've thought about it, the easier that that has felt. Um, one person has told me that I'm totally crazy and wrong and that that's not the way it works, right? Like that's not the way our nervous system works. We just, we have so much stress or so much change that we can handle. And the more you have and the more you have, the more you have is just exponentially more. And I don't, I don't know. I feel like I have the opportunity to kind of reframe that in a way that is positive. So anyways, so, um, I find that, um, talking about it is really, really cathartic for me. Um, and not just cathartic for me, but Almost, well, a few times I've had, I, I'm, I'm clearly a pretty open-minded person. And if you know me, I'm pretty much <laughs> like this all the time. Um, I, I love to observe my experiences and my feelings. I love to observe the experiences and feelings of people that I'm with and then talking about it. I think that's a big part of our practice. I mean, I think that's 
that's what having noble friends is. That's the Sangha part of the, the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, is that if we're not sharing our experience and we're not sharing our practice, we're missing out on a, a vulnerability, a richness that comes from the vulnerability of that. Um, and I'm just always amazed at how, when I'm vulnerable, and I just talk about things that are real and deep, most people respond in kind. A few people are like, nope, that's not for me. That's a little too intense or a little too dark. I don't want a part of that. That's okay. But I have heard like some of the most amazing stories and some of the most amazing heartfelt confessions or people who shared things with me and said, I've not told anyone else that I have gone through this. Or when I went through that, I felt so alone and it sucked that I had to be alone through that. And I just would encourage everybody to really think about how these opportunities for transition and change can be reframed in a way that is positive for us, even for any, even for the things that seem, you know, the most negative for us. Um, and I'm a big Pema Chodron fan. I don't know how many of you guys are Pema Chodron fans. Her book, um, when things fall apart, hard advice for difficult times, I recommend to everyone. Like, I think this was the central book that really helped me reframe this concept of how not just life is always changing, but it's always, but it's typically changing in ways we don't want it to. <laughs> it's typically changing in ways that we, we want to resist against. Um, and why is that? Why do we fear that so much? Why does it make us feel so uncomfortable? And how do we learn to feel comfortable with the uncomfortable? Um, and she, she has another quote that I like. Um, this is just a small part of it. But it, she basically is writing about feeling that our fixed identities crumbling should be cause for celebration. So a lot of her writing is about in this book, the idea that part of the reason why when things fall apart, we don't see it as just a normal process, we see it as something bad, is because we're so fixed on this is the way I should be, this is the way things should be. And if you can work on letting go of that, it actually opens the door to the next thing, which could be amazing, or at least could not suck. <laughs> it doesn't have to be bad. Um, so I highly recommend, um, you know, following up and reading about her. I think she's, um, she has a great insight into it. She has a great connection to, she has a great way, I believe, of speaking about some pretty intense, pretty, um, intellectual Buddhist principles in a way with a, with a Western mind, with a Western bent that really, uh, speaks to people easily. Um, Here's another story that I will share because uh, while I was uh, reading the other day, I found this and I thought that this was, this also really uh, connected to me. You can tell me, Asaji, if you've ever heard this, this little story or joke before. Um, so two traveling Buddhist monks who needed to cross a swift but shallow river were standing together. A pretty young woman stood on the bank nearby and she also needed to cross, but she was afraid and asked the monks for help. The two monks had taken vows to never touch a woman, and one monk hesitated. The other didn't. He picked her up, carried her across the river, 
set her down gently on the other side. The two monks continued their journey in silence for some time. When finally the one blurted out, you took vows to never touch a woman. How could you have picked her up like that? What's wrong with you? And the other monk said, brother, I set her down at least an hour ago. Why are you still carrying her? And I love the, the have you heard that before? I love, I love that. I love the idea that we do things or things happen to us that aren't great or right or in the moment. And that doesn't mean we have to keep carrying it and holding on to it forever. There's an opportunity to move past whatever it is. Anna and I were just having this conversation last two weeks ago, weren't we? <laughs> that who you are or who you think people see you as is really only just one little vision that's actually in the past. Who you show up as today and how you connect with things today is really what matters the most. So I only have a few minutes left. Does anyone have any questions or comments? It's called um, When Things Fall Apart. Right, do I have that right, When Things Fall Apart? Hard advice for difficult times. I actually, I'm on about copy 12 or 13 of this because every time in my life that I meet someone who's going through a really hard time, I keep giving my copies away and then I have to go buy another one because it's, it's just beautiful. Any other questions or comments? Anyone want to share anything? Someone? Anyone? No? That's a great question. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I will say I, I, I find, and I think this is why we call what we do a practice, is not easy and it doesn't come fast. So again, my daughter's 18, so like my, my mom advice for her is often, this isn't going to get easier in the next year or two years or even maybe in the next five years. But in 10 years and in 15 years and 20 years, you you literally are training your brain all along. So if you continue to check yourself, so think of it like when you are meditating, the monks always say, you know, you kind of, depending on who's, who's guiding the meditation, you know, let your thoughts just float away in a bubble. Let them float away in a cloud. You have a thought and then you go, oh my gosh, I'm thinking about something. I don't want to be thinking about something. Go back to the breath. Go back to the breath. So if you keep doing that, Every time a situation happens and you go, wait a second, I'm holding on to this. I don't want to hold on to this. I'm going to choose to let it go. If you keep doing that again and again and again, you will find that it becomes the normal state of your brain. Not this week or this year, unfortunately. But I promise you that over time, and for those of you who have practiced for a really long time, I see lots of people nodding their heads. That's, for me, really what meditation is. Meditation is us training our brain so that in regular everyday life all the time, we get to get better at having that kind of mind control and that peace of mind. So you're doing it absolutely right if you're thinking about it and if you want to do it, and you do it sometimes. <laughs> and so if you just keep doing it, it will get easier over time. I think it's all choices, though. 
I, a long time ago, read this article that really spoke to me where a lady kind of talked about it like all of us have like a good bucket and a bad bucket. And all day long, everything that happens to us, we, our brain just like filters like, yep, that was good. No, this was bad. Yep, this was good. No, this was bad. And if you just keep practicing putting less things in the bad bucket, <laughs> then that bucket becomes less full over time. And then you don't focus on the bad as much. That's a really good question because it's, it's not easy, but... If you just keep practicing, it will come easier over time. Distraction is also good. If you find yourself thinking, 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 physically doing something helps. Any other questions or comments? No? Okay, thank you guys for letting me speak today.